Hello and welcome, you beautiful, beautiful listeners. I'm your host, Mason Moreau. Patrick, Beth, and myself have been streaming in place, watching a whole bunch of stuff, playing a whole bunch of video games, and we are here to talk about the hidden gems that we have dug up. In today's episode, Beth got back into Westworld. I'm looking forward to getting through it because it is pretty nonsensical. Patrick's a little confused by Westworld. It's like, oh, this person was a USB copy of this other character? That's crazy. And I'm not a big fan of Westworld. I'd much rather just sit down and play Animal Crossing. Now let's pop on over to Beth's house to see how she's faring with the whole family at home. Beth! Beth, get in here! I don't know how to work the Roku box! Hey, Grandpa! Beth, I don't know what the hell to watch right now. Okay, well, um, I'm about to start The Wire if you want to watch that with me. Everyone keeps telling me that I have to see it, so... <sighs> the Wire. The Marcinkos haven't made it past the first episode of The Wire in generations. It premiered in the early 2000s. It hasn't been around for generations. I know, I remember when my grandpappy told me about it when he was at the World's Fair during the height of the Spanish Influenza. Thank you, World's Fair patrons, for stopping by my booth. I've got something that's going to change the world. Well, gee, I really wonder what that fella there has to show. Everyone seems to be so captivated. Eh, I don't know. It doesn't seem that interesting. Introducing the wire. It's bendable, pliable, stickable. It's all the abos. Who wants to come out and try some abos? What is it, like that telegraph wire you see? No, 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 no. This is completely different. You see, this is the World's Fair, madam. Only the best and brightest can get a booth in the World's Fair. I have a wire that's going to change the world with its rubber insulation and deep existential concepts. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'll get around to it. Come on, honey. Let's go to the next booth. We got a lot to see. Ooh, what's that? Tupperware? Oh, wow, Grandpa, that's a really interesting story. You want to get interesting? Well, it goes back even further to your great, 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 great a few more times cousins back in Germany when Beethoven was filling out the concert halls. Oh, his music is so beautiful. Yes, I wonder how he is able to create such beautiful sounds by only feeling the vibrations. Well, it's all with the magic of wires. The wires, you see, they vibrate and they reverberate. It's all about music and what he feels through the piano. Come, come look at the wires. They're so beautiful. Oh, we would love to, but we really must be going. I wish I could look at the wires, but I have to listen to my wife. Ah, maybe next week then. Oh my gosh, I had no idea my ancestors were even in the same place as Beethoven. That's amazing. Yeah, but you know what? It just wasn't for them. Well, at least the wires weren't for them. But, I mean, we could still watch The Wire now. Not before I tell you where it all first started. Back in the Renaissance. Ah, yes, old cousin Stefano. Assistant to Da Vinci himself. Grandpa, how did you find out about our ancestors in the shut Renaissance? Shut up, shut up, shut up. The flashback is starting. Signore Leonardo, what is it that you're working on? Oh, dearest Stefano, I have a beautiful invention called the wire that I'm working on, and you must watch it while I go to take my nap. I, I don't know, all five of these wires? It seems like a lot to keep up with. But how am I gonna finish the painting of your mother, Lisa, if I don't get my afternoon nap? Stefano, 
do what Signore Leonardo tells you. Okay, Mama, I will. Uh, oh, what is this? Omar? Baltimore? I don't know. And that was the ancestor that made it the farthest through any of these wires. Well, Grandpa, like, let's make history. Let's do this. Let's watch the wire together. We'll be the first Marcinkos to make it through the whole thing. History mystery. Let me check out that podcast you keep talking about first. What's up, all you beautiful faces, while you're sheltering in your places? I am Mason Moreau. I'm Patrick Baylor. And I'm Beth Marcinko. And we are sheltering in place just like you. Coronavirus hit, and I know that we've all been dealing with it in different ways, but one of the main ways that a lot of people are dealing with it is catching up on a lot of the shows that they feel like they've been missing or re-watching old shows that give them some level of comfort. And so... We're here to talk today about what we've been binging while sheltering. A lot of entertainment, and it's been entertaining us. Who needs a world outside when there is a multitude of worlds just sitting on your streaming services? So gang, to kick this off, what's been your comfort food in this whole COVID situation? I guess I would say that my comfort streaming right now is Big Mouth. I am not caught up on the newest season. I'm currently doing that. And it's just a wild show. It's so whimsical and weird. And it's just like a nice little funny tidbit to watch. And you can pick it up and put it down whenever you want. And it's a refreshing thing. I tend to balance it with heavier content. And so I just find that that's really my go-to refreshment show. By heavier content, what do you mean? Uh, I've been watching the second season of Westworld that I wasn't caught up on. I did that a few months ago. I'm glad I got back on it as well. So I have friends who the second season is like the bane of their existence. And so Patrick is nodding vigorously right now. I'm looking forward to getting through it because it is pretty nonsensical. I think I'm like five episodes in and it's weird and just mm, not my favorite, but People are saying that the third season is better and makes it a little bit redeemable. So I'm going to keep trucking. I know I literally stopped, I think, at episode five, season two, when it was premiering in spring of 2018 and then finally finished it in early 2020. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. I really put it off. Make fun of Grandpa Marcinko for not watching The Wire, but I'm having trouble watching Westworld. <laughs> but like Same thing. Like I watched it so I could like tee up and get ready for season three. But now I'm just intimidated by season three again because I'm just a little bit worried. What am I going to be confused about this time? Yeah, I think Westworld is just too obtuse. For me to even continue caring, it's been way too convoluted and confusing and has too many moving parts. And I just stopped caring because there are plenty of other shows that are at the same caliber but don't confuse the shit out of the viewer. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think that they just like wind these different threads and then it takes forever for them to either align so that you know who's who and like, is this the future version of this person? Is this the past version of this person? Like it just takes so long to get there in so many cases that by the time you do, you're not even satisfied that you know this information. Yeah, it's like, oh, this person was a USB copy of this other character? That's crazy. Mild spoilers. I remember getting kind of spoiled for Westworld season two, and that's why I finished it up, because HBO posted, who are you sitting with at Thanksgiving kind of social media post? And then they did this thing where they showed Aunt Dolores, and then Aunt Dolores, the two different characters. Oh, f- I just spoiled you, Beth. I'm... I honestly don't even 
realize what you've spoiled for me. So it doesn't matter. Uh, that's great. <laughs> but I remember seeing this image and just be like, oh, well, damn it, HBO. Now let me see how this all connects kind of thing. You know, I wonder how many times those types of spoilers have gone completely unnoticed. Spoilers that would go over anyone who hasn't seen its head. That's definitely used as a storytelling device. But neither here nor there. Yeah. Westworld, not my favorite. Okay, so if that's not your favorite, what are you watching then? I've been getting really into Mad Men. Ooh. That's been the sort of default going to bed, let's watch an episode sort of show. And I've tried to watch Mad Men plenty of times before. But it wasn't until I sort of reached the age I am now that I really started appreciating it for what it is. And that sounds really weird to say that there's like an age gate on understanding this show. But there totally is. I feel like there isn't. If you're savvy enough at age 16 to understand the dynamics of the office, not the office, the show, the dynamics of an <laughs> office. Of a workplace, yeah. Yeah. And then if you are able to understand the dynamics of a workplace and the dynamics of the time period, you're... Totally all right to understand Mad Men. And then also what the dynamics of complicated marriage stuff too? I think it was just the cultural revolution that was happening in the 60s and coming out of the prosperity of the 50s in this like sort of overindulgent society. And that sort of thing is just super compelling. First of all, it's right off the coattails of World War II. So a lot of the characters are vets and that sort of thing. Not to mention John Hamm and John Slattery. Both very nice to look at. So that's on Netflix still, right? Mm -hmm. Mad Men. And then Big Mouth is still on Netflix, right? Yeah, Big Mouth, Netflix show. And then Westworld is on HBO Go. Just HBO. And then for my just kind of throw it on while I'm doing something else, I'm, I've picked Top Gear. Mm. I got a free trial to the Motor Trend channel on Amazon Prime. And it has all of the seasons of Top Gear. And then I have the Grand Tour if I ever finish Top Gear, which I won't, right? <laughs> Uh, oh my god and then they have all of the specials which i think that the specials are what the real like standout television of top gear is they're going into the amazon rainforest and they have to pick a car that's under 1500 pounds to drive themselves through the rainforest in and that sort of thing it's so compelling and fun would you call it reality tv like i don't know yes i would definitely call it reality tv also side note when we say 1500 pounds we're talking about currency because the British version is the only version of Top Gear that you should be watching. The American version is trash. The three of those guys just have like the funniest shit talking dynamic. And I definitely recommend even if you're not a car person watching the specials that Mason is talking about is so worth it. It's like comedy travel show at that point. It's right. so fun. They do such a good job at you know, being knowledgeable where it counts, right? They, they know everything about engineering principles and car mechanics and that kind of thing. They don't know jack shit about anything else. It's fun to watch these three guys sort of like bumble through the world as these three car nerds. It's just, it's fun. It's quality entertainment. You know, it's it's like a BBC mainstay at this point, right? They're never going to get rid of it. Oh, I don't know. They almost did before, but that's a story for a different podcast. But speaking of mainstays, what's been staying and been my main is just watching Seinfeld reruns on Hulu. Boo. Boo. How dare you? You don't like Seinfeld? Just not my cup of tea, honestly. It's still so relevant. There are so many relevant episodes. Sure, there'll be an episode all about how someone left something on a tape machine, but then there'll be another one about, I don't know, getting like a parking spot and things like that. I think it's classic TV. Okay, Patrick, you can give me some episode recommendations. I will 
watch a little Seinfeld and see if I can reevaluate my position on it. And hey, listeners, if you guys have a favorite Seinfeld show that you want to tell me about, leave us a review. Tell me what that episode is and give us five stars while you're at it. Uh-huh. All the stars. But I mean, four great stars of television in that. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, treasure. Speaking of Julia Louis-Dreyfus and HBO. Veep? Well, no, Veep is great and... <laughs> What? Where were you going with that yeah, segue? I love if not I know. Doesn't actually talk succession because that's just <laughs> also about a fun bumbling ensemble. But in a whole other way of the same way of why I think you like Mad Men, Mason. I don't understand anything about like economic speak, but that they talk about in succession. But what I've just really been digging is the bumbling corporatisms of it all, and that's just been a treat. And I think I'm only like four or five episodes in. I think I just watched like the Thanksgiving episode. But just watching this, I don't know, conniving family just jostle for power in like corporate Game of Thrones. It's been a good time. Very nice. Truly, though, guys, I haven't been watching too much TV. So what have you been doing, really? I mean, I have had my eyes glued to the TV. But let me tell you about a little thing called Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, my God. (laughs) I have a whole world that exists on my Nintendo Switch. Tell us about it. Where the coronavirus doesn't exist and everyone is happy and everyone fishes and everyone tells me how much of a good job I do at everything. I've glanced at Mason's Island a few times and every time it's just... Patrick, look at this fish I got. Head pats all around. Uh, Yeah, I've, I've definitely gone on a few tours of the museum to show the roomies. Animal Crossing couldn't have come out at a better time. It's full on escapism, like to the point where it's almost like Nintendo predicted this would happen. Right. So you land on this island. There's nothing except your two neighbors and this man, Tom Nook, with his two sons. Titan of industry, Tom Nook, gazillionaire. He's like, hey, we bought this island and you're here to help inhabit it. And you got to do all the work. And I'm going to sit here and collect my money. He's like Mr. Krabs. There's like a whole Nook store where you can buy Nook Inc. branded Tom Nook clothing and all this kind of stuff. He's just got like a complete racket he's like disney he's just got like the merchandise he's got the infrastructure he's got the logistics he's got the supply chain so mason you are selling this for me and i would like to play it but here's the issue like i've been trying to get a switch for a while and i can't because another downside of this health pandemic is that nintendo can't manufacture more switches they're just now only getting resold by people that used to own them so they're like marked up 500 600 700 dollars and it's absurd and i just want to play with you mason and that's kind of the bigger thing if we want to go into this whole like business aspect of this is that we have new video game consoles slated to release this fall and Mm -hmm. the big question has been like are they going to push the date so that they can make sure they have enough supply so that these things won't be sold out everywhere or are they going to go the route of forced demand where they manufacture a little bit lower than average number of units so that they're sold out everywhere and it shoots the demand for the system up nintendo has done that for the past like four consoles and i'm not saying they did it on purpose this time because of coronavirus or anything because around this time now like the switches were kind of widely available well when the switch released you couldn't get one yeah but now it's like Everyone can get it. Right. Before this, at least. And when the Wii released, you couldn't get one. And when the Wii U released, you couldn't get one. It's a Nintendo strategy to limit the supply of the console so that everyone wants one because you can't get one anywhere. So when you find one, it's like you found gold. It's like you struck oil, which is a fun strategy. But amidst this virus where everything's so uncertain, it's like, well, 
is everyone else in the video game console space going to be doing this? What I'm curious about is that how will this do for releases for things that have already come out and maybe like their lifespan sort of ended? I don't say this lifespan ended, but like I just got Fallen Order, for example, I think for the PS4. And like that's kind of like a new game for me. But that what came out during like the holiday rush of November or October in 2019. So this is like, I don't know, by game standards, old, six months, but it's old kind of thing. So like, I wonder if like people are going to start revisiting older games if they can't get newer systems and newer games because manufacturing's released, you know, they can't get software developers in to finish a game. For example, like Last of Us 2, that's now been put on hold indefinitely. We don't know when that comes out. I definitely think that's possible. And I think that anybody who's held on to handheld consoles, especially for however long a time might try to buy refurbished or just old versions of games that work in their handheld console. Like I have a Game Boy Advance. So Ooh. maybe, yeah, it's pretty great. I have two Kim Possible games. They made more than one. Yes, they did. I love <laughs> the memes of the Corey in the House Game Boy Advance game. There's a whole bunch of memes. I beat the first Kim Possible game and probably like... 45 minutes and I was so disappointed because I as a child remember playing this for days on end it was so odd that when I like held the Game Boy Advance in my hands and was like doing the controls for this particular game I remembered so much of it and I was like oh you have to go explore above the Mexican restaurant because there's burritos up there that restore your health just so much stuff that I remembered that I was like okay yeah like I'll get to that in just a second Mm, delicioso so this is definitely like an opportunity to play new games or games that you had but for new content straight up like things that you maybe wouldn't have checked out or are now getting to check out because you have all this extra time and viewing space on your hands what have y'all been digging? I started watching a Black Lady sketch show on HBO too. Ah. And that has been really funny. I'm a big comedy fan in general. Like I'll binge pretty much any special I see where I like the preview. And I really enjoyed Key and Peele. And so I saw this on HBO and I was like, I haven't watched sketch comedy in a bit. So let me give this a try. And I started it. And some of, I would say I like 90% of the sketches so far. I'm probably three or four episodes in and I'm enjoying the cast and their dynamic and the characters that they build, but not all of it hits for me. I think that's any sketch comedy show. Like they all can't be winners, you know. I mean, look at our show. (laughs) (laughs) And here's what Pat's voices are this week. Oh my God. So many, so many always. Our shows. Shows, shows, shows. You know, we have a show that's available online, and you can go to our show and give us a five-star review, yo. So make sure you leave that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts and can give a five-star review. And while you're at it, make sure you pop on over to your Instagram and follow Son of a Ginger Podcast to make sure that you see all of the goofy, weird stuff that we put up on our feed for your enjoyment and our detriment. And now back to more shows. Of new stuff that I've been digging, I think I would have watched this anyway, because this show is just marketed for people like Mason and I, aka men 18 to 30, but the show Dave on FX, or FXX. So first I was like, oh yeah, I'll check it out. Like, I've seen Little Dicky in concert. I've met Little Dicky, actually. Whoa! That photo's on my Instagram, and we just might re-Instagram it on our Instagram, at Son of a Ginger Podcast, but I feel like this show is what... FX wanted Atlanta to be and then Atlanta got way more surrealist and really high concept and FX was like great this is awesome but we still kind of need something silly for the lesser man that still likes rap 
and having fun around the rap city town kind of thing. And that's what Dave is, but it's very refreshing. It's very nice. It's definitely a male dominated program, but it's silly. One overarching suggestion, listeners, if you're looking for a mood, FX and FXX shows have a mood to them. And I would recommend pretty much anything that they've put out in the past like five to ten years devs oh yeah we watched the first episode oh god devs that is a spacey sci-fi show that i'm excited to watch more of yeah that has nick offerman looking like a weird 15th apostle nick offerman's like welcome to devs it's heaven but with programmers and then they kill some people and it's a whole thing well you gotta watch it is that an FX show? Yeah. All right. It's my next show then. Hell yeah. I've worked my way through most of Ryan Murphy's catalog. So Exactly. It's like if Silicon Valley was directed by Stanley Kubrick. Oh my God. <laughs> Nail on the head. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much what Devs is. But continue your point. I apologize. I was just going to say that I definitely, and you guys, if, you, if you're a, a constant listener, you've heard me recommend this before, but you're the worst, is one of the best shows I've ever seen in my whole life. Start to finish, it's about terrible people. But if you like watching that like slow motion car crash, you'll love the show. And it actually has a great ending, which I cannot say about so many TV shows. This one is great. The writing is great. The characters are horrible in a great way. I love it. That's a good like start to finish show you'd recommend. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Five seasons. I'm pretty sure every episode is 30 minutes. Got nothing but time. So from FX, Rob McElhaney, he made another show on Apple TV that Mason and I had been watching called Mythic Quest. And that's also a treat of uh, the whole other side of the world of development, so to speak. But, you know, it's set in a game studio. And I think that has a little bit of comedy that you would see in The Office, but then like maybe like office politics you might see in Mad Men, but again, comedic. I know I appreciate the show because I'm also, you know, work in a creative workplace. So that's one where it's just a, ha ha, I've been there before, character. Yes, ha. Yeah, they certainly take some creative liberties with how they paint the office structure of a game development studio. For those of you who don't know, it's basically It's Always Sunny but about a video game development company. has a little bit of a dynamic of the community characters, but I think we said that only because Danny Pudi is also in the show. Yeah, I pointed that out when I was watching it, and I was like, you know what? I literally just thought that because Danny Pudi is also in this. But he plays more of the Joel McHale asshole character, I'd say. Oh, I love that. He definitely plays more of a, a Dennis or a Jeff. And it's fine. It's good. It's very funny. But, you know, it's not Citizen Kane. Oh, I know. But also you could just watch all of Silicon Valley if you haven't watched Silicon Valley, because I'd recommend that too. All of that is on HBO to stream. But if you have seen Silicon Valley already, this is definitely a natural next step. But yeah, so that's some things I think we've all been kind of getting at and toying at. We obviously keep on hyping up Netflix, every one of these now, because I think it's the most available. So... What's the most Netflixy binge recommendation you'd give to the populace, guys? If I had to pick one thing for someone who's never touched Netflix, it'd be Stranger Things. Oh, sure. Yes. If there's a person out there who doesn't know what they want to watch and they have a Netflix subscription and an infinite amount of time, the first thing I recommend is Stranger Things. I agree with that. I think my Netflix one, I think I would just say BoJack. BoJack Horseman, that's a full show. You get to meet all the characters. It's silly. It's sad get a little bit of every emotion see i'm going to challenge you on that one because not everyone likes cartoons okay i do love cartoons i love cartoons too but you know it's more divisive than i feel exists 
in our social circle because everyone around us really likes BoJack Horseman. That's fair. Well, if you are an adult that likes adult cartoons, check out BoJack. And I know Raphael Bob Waxberg has another show on Amazon now called, I think, Undone, something like that. I haven't checked that out, but I'm going to recommend it to myself. Go watch it, Pat. Okay. (laughs) Great. So it's so hard to pick one thing because there's so many things out there and so many things that Netflix has put out in general. Originally, when you asked this question, my first thought was honestly House of Cards, because when it came out, it was one of those turning point shows, I think, for television. And it was really when streaming services were taking off. And I remember watching it and just being so immediately hooked. And I loved it so much. And I haven't seen the last season and a half of it, which makes me really sad. And I would like to finish it. But those first couple seasons of House of Cards were just like beautiful. Season six is definitely on the list for me. It's been hard to get back into it because I think it's hard to keep up with that. And then current American politics, because current American politics is even crazier than the narrative fiction on that show. So it's tough to keep up with two crazy narratives, honestly. Yeah. So I would say if you want something as high production quality as House of Cards, but you're not interested in tackling that beast, maybe The Crown, because it's very beautifully made. It is much more based in history, but it still takes liberties with the emotional aspects of these historical figures. And so maybe you'd like that. Truly a lot to watch. We've also watched a lot in the past and talked about a lot in the past. So you should check out our library and see what we have to say about various movies and shows that you can go out and watch right now with your free time. I'm like 90% sure that everything we've reviewed in the past is available to stream to some degree, whether or not you have to rent it or if it's just available. So if you found yourself watching anything recently just give yourself a scroll through our library and see what we thought about it there might be a fun skit waiting for you to find i know our gingy award episode also touches on like 17 different programs 70 programs 17 70 you decide (laughs) a lot of different programs that we love and highly recommend so you should definitely check it out and you should also check us out at son of a ginger podcast on instagram for lots of fun silly content there and if you're looking for another way to support us you can go ahead and give us a review and five stars on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen and can give us a review. We would really appreciate it and it really helps out the show. And with that, I've been Patrick Streaming Wars Baylor. I've been Beth Comedy Binge Marcinko. And I'm Mason Nook Inc. Stooge Moreau. 